turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 through 10. You'll notice we are going back a bit to the beginning of chapter 2 instead of the end part of chapter 2 that we read last week, and that's okay. We like to skip around a bit. Peter is, is using this as a, a different section to begin his discussion on, on a, a topic that is very, very critical for both new believers and old believers. Not, not just age, but the veterans. It's a lesson for us to learn and be reminded of today, especially today. And it's, it's one that I, I think... I think we have long put by the wayside, unfortunately. Now, there's going to be a lot of complexity to this passage. There's a lot of analogies that Peter uses, but don't worry. We are going to walk through it together, and it will be okay. So, if you are able, I ask that you please stand, even in your living rooms, to read with me from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 through 10. Like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortal, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe, he is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the cornerstone and a stone that makes them stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord, and together we say, thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh, Holy Father, speak to us today through your word, through your disciple Peter, whom you loved, and, and please let his words challenge us today, and may your Holy Spirit prick our hearts so that we might be transformed more and more into your likeness. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Mothers often get to enjoy experiences that are, are, are special moments that are uniquely reserved for them. Mothers have this, this special privilege, things that, that are, are just you only experience as a mother. I found myself often jealous of my wife because she gets those special moments, those times with the children, especially as she stays home with them. And I work, I miss out on so much. 
all the fun things that she gets to experience, all the funny sayings or the actions, the mannerisms, all those things that they do, they do throughout the day. And I, and I miss them because I have to work. And I find myself very jealous of the fact that she gets to do those things. But then she, of course, reminds me that I also have special privileges that she does not get such as whenever I return home, whether I went to the grocery store or from a long trip, that I return a conquering hero to my children as they race out to the door and hug me. So, so it, is, it is fair that both mothers and fathers get to experience these certain special moments. One particular moment that, that Amy and I still laugh about and, and still find so funny and precious is when Christopher was born. Because when Christopher was born... He was born hungry. He was born extremely hungry. <laughs> as soon as the nurse handed him to Amy, he was going, because he was searching for one thing, milk. He wanted mom's milk, and he wanted it now. Elizabeth, she was, she was okay. She, she was just kind of content. But Christopher, he was hungry, and there was only one thing that was going to satisfy him. I'm sure many of you mothers have experienced those same kind of moments. You see, children have this uncanny ability, especially babies, to just have a one-track mind. What they want is what they go after, and nothing else will satisfy them until they get what they want. And this is really a, a blessing that God has given us because you don't have to question when a baby is hungry. Usually, usually you don't have to question when a baby's hungry because they'll let you know. They will let you know. <laughs> and, and that's good because then, then that helps us, especially new parents who never raised a child before. They're, they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so at least having those cues where they know, yeah. They're hungry. It helps keep them alive and fed. And so that's a very good thing. That's how God designed them. And at times it can be cute, much like Christopher with his, you know, puckered lips going. He, he did that for I don't know how long. He just always, whenever he was hungry, like, ah, I want food. Other times, though, like, Two o'clock in the morning, and then three o'clock in the morning, and then four o'clock in the morning, it becomes tiresome. But regardless, it is the single craving that babies have that not only keep them alive, but also help them grow bigger and stronger. The lesson that Peter is beginning to teach the church today is all about the same kind of craving, similar to a baby that's just born longing for its mother's milk, so too are Christians supposed to have a single craving that, that drives them, that is built into their nature, that, that makes them move and breathe every single day. Yet so often we find ourselves complicating things over and over again. I remember back in college when I was taking Hebrew, uh, my, my professors kept reminding me that, that language is tricky because as language 
lives on throughout the generations becomes more and more complicated, especially Hebrew. Hebrew started out very, very simple. But then as it evolved over the years, it becomes more and more and more and more and more complicated. And, and this is within our, our nature. As humans, we have the tendency to make things overcomplicated because we want to perfect things. We want to tune things. We want to adjust and tweak and, and hone, and, and we want to get everything just, just right. And we're never quite satisfied as we continue to just perfect. But with that, we continue to complicate. Now, because of that, the English language is one of the hardest languages to learn, at least how to speak well. Uh, most of us don't even speak English properly. I don't even know if that sentence was technically proper English. And cars become difficult to work on, more difficult than what they used to be because everything is, is tied into... Sorry. There we go. I'm getting a little too excited. Um, everything with cars are, are now tied into computers here and there, and everything is linked together with electronics, and, and so you can't just replace that. You have to replace that and a million other things. In the same way, the church has put on a little bit of extra weight with overly complicated systems. That's not good. What Peter is trying to help the church do is to strip away all those extra things, remove all the cumbersome things that have kept them from going the distance and getting back to what is most important, which is that the church must have a single craving for the Word of God. This lesson from Peter, I, I love this, it all hinges upon, upon one phrase that he gives us in verse 3. <laughs> Look at it. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. If indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. Although Peter is, is being rather ironic here, he, he, he's using this as a way to help people approach God, a way for them to understand that you can't, you can't just go to God. You can't just see what he has done. You, there, there is no one, I don't know anyone who God and not taste that the Lord is good. It is impossible to be in the presence of a holy, perfect, wonderful, good, loving, caring Father and not believe that He is good. It's impossible. And so what He is then using that is a way to build up a case as to why it is so important, so necessary to abandon everything else for the single craving of God's word, just like a baby abandons everything else for mother's milk. Now the church, in this particular time, in Peter's case, the letter that he's writing to the church, is he's not trying to help them strip away overly complicated things, because the churches here are, are new. They, they too complicate things yet. But instead, they have a, a, a separate issue, something that 
is actually much, much worse, which is they're bringing in all of the... Sorry, something is... Okay. Am I good now? I don't know what's going on. I'm too excited. Let's blame it on that. What Peter is doing is these churches, they're, they're so young that, that they are actually bringing in all the other practices that they've learned, that they've grown with, all the pagan religions that they've, they've been a part of. They're bringing in those teachings into the church. And he's saying, wait a second. Don't do that. That's not biblical. Of course it's not biblical. They're not following the Bible's teachings, and they're, and they're not godly teachings. They're not things that God desires for his people to do, and so he's trying to help them learn to strip away all that extra stuff that they are bringing into the relationship with Christ and the church. And he's trying to help them move past that point to get rid of it. And the whole point of this, this single craving is to help them grow into their salvation. I love that phrase, to help them grow into their salvation. How wonderful to think that we grow into our salvation. It means that we don't have to be perfect right from the get-go. It means we don't have to be perfect five years from now, or 10, or 15 we're growing into our salvation. And yet, if we cling to our old nature, we cling to our old teachings, we cling to the old practices, then we will not be able to grow into that salvation. It will hamper the ability of the Holy Spirit to work within our lives, to shape us and change us and move us. And yet, also church, while there is still that, that problem, while people who come into the church could still present that issue, the church has a very different problem facing it today. We have an overabundance of religious teachings, so much so that people often abandon the single focus of Scripture for something more something deeper. And they do that thinking that they may need to move on to the meat of Christianity. They need to move on to the depths and the, and the, the more, more. Here's the reality, church. Nothing has the ability to shape you and change you more than the Word of God. Nothing. A 365 daily devotional cannot change you like the Word of God. Watching a pastor on TV, and yes, I understand the irony of it right now, cannot change you like the Word of God. Having a, a devotional on your phone cannot change you. Reading a book about being a better Christian cannot change you like the Word of God can. None of that is enough. And while all of it has the potential to be good. All of it can be okay. All of it can help you grow. I'm not saying don't do those things. But the problem is, is that we cannot abandon the single craving 
for the Word of God. That should be the first thought. When we say, I want to know more about God, we go to the Word of God. When we say we want to know more about how to live like Christ, we go to the Word of God. When we face a problem, we go to the Word of God. We don't go to a devotional. We don't go to a pastor. We don't go to a book. We go to the Word of God. Now, a, a quick note here with the idea of milk. Uh, Peter is using this, this analogy of milk very differently than what Paul uses the analogy for milk for. Because I, I know that there might be some of you who are thinking about the Scripture text that Paul uses when he talks about milk, and he's chastising believers. But what he's doing is, is Paul is saying, you, you're not growing. You're not being changed. You're like drinking milk instead of eating steak. But Peter, he's not saying that. What Peter is doing, he's using the analogy of where a baby longs for milk with an insatiable appetite, so Christians should long for the Word of God with an insatiable appetite. Longing for it. Desiring for it. And the danger we face, the problems we face, is when those books and those videos and, and all those other things are opened more than the Word of God. Didn't have this in here, but I'm going to ask it anyways. I have a question for you, church. Put it in the comments. When's the last time you've opened your Bible this week? How many times did you open your Bible this week? Just a real question. If you're not opening your Bibles every single day to read from the Word of God, you are malnutritioned. You are not getting enough. I don't care what else you do to supplement it. Those are only supplements. The Word of God is the pure food that is supposed to fill you. Now, now moving on to this, the Peter... He often gets criticized by scholars. I, I read it in my studies. and, and for, He gets criticized for using too many analogies. And rightfully, if he was in my homiletics class during college, he would have probably failed. The professor would have said, you use too many analogies in your message. People are going to get confused. And, and to all the critics out there about Peter and his writing, I say this. He walked with God physically in the form of Jesus. Did you? No? Okay. So let the man write however he wants to write. He probably knows more than what we'll ever understand. But we do have to make the transition here. And so what Peter is doing is he, he is transitioning from talking about milk and babies to living stones and this, this cornerstone building analogies, which really are not so far detached because milk is the building blocks for a baby to grow and then he moves from one building block to another building block. And so we move to this discussion. And specifically, let's talk a bit about the cornerstones. Let's, let's talk about that. A cornerstone is very, very important in building. Even today, it is important within the church or within, a, within a construction, building a building foundation must have a proper cornerstone. It must be... My goodness. It must be perfectly 
square. A cornerstone, it, it sets the attitude for everything because it's the first block that is laid. And so if it's not perfectly square, the lines that come off from it won't be perfectly square. If the top of it is slightly tilted, then the rest of the building is going to tilt. Everything is built from that cornerstone. And if that cornerstone is perfect, everything that comes off from that cornerstone is also perfect. So we come to this idea of the single craving within the Christian life, but it moves even deeper into how God's Word is trying to perfect us, trying to hone us, shape us like we need to belong to this cornerstone. Peter's taking this idea and moving it from, from individuals to the corporate setting. He's saying, okay, now that you understand that you personally are supposed to be craving the Word of God like a baby craves milk, let me share why. Because all these people who are craving pure spiritual milk are being built into a spiritual house. And so he goes from the personal to the, the communal. And as everyone is seeking this pure spiritual milk, everyone is going back to referencing the cornerstone. And that cornerstone then becomes what makes them perfect. And as everyone looks back to the cornerstone, they are made perfect and the spiritual house is built strong and true. We bear the responsibility to be shaped and formed to the likeness of the cornerstone so that we might be a strong spiritual house. And as we grow in our salvation, we become shaped and formed more and more in the likeness of Christ because of his word. But the problem again arises from outside influences. We can allow those things to shape us. We can allow other things to tell us how we should act or behave or think how we should spend our money, where we should invest our time. All these things can change us. But the only thing that should have any say within the lives of the believer, the very first thing, should be the Word of God. And this makes us very unique, church. This means that we do not follow common thought. It means that we no longer do what the government necessarily says to do. It means that we no longer are bound by our own ability to just understand Instead, we are freed to follow God. Everything else takes second place. Everything else is on the back burner compared to the Word of God, and that speaks first into our lives. So then we don't have to wonder if what we are following is perfect or if it's going to lead us in the right direction. We don't have to question the decisions we make or the input we get from our lives. All of that doesn't matter because we are looking back to the cornerstone, which is perfect. And that is shaping us so that then we know we too are becoming perfect. This lesson that Peter is teaching us about craving God's word, it stems from the fact that he's trying to help us realize that God is shaping us to be his people. 
And the necessary requirement for us to be God's people is to solely rely on the Word of God. After all the analogies, after all the the different ways he's trying to help them understand, Peter finally just comes right out and explains that the purpose of this change, he says what I love most. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The people of God, royal priesthood, a holy nation. None of this can function apart from the word of God is shaping us and making us into what we desire to be. It is a life source of who we are. We cannot seek other things because they will not suffice. Nothing else in this world has the power to... My goodness. Nothing else in this world has the power to take us out of darkness and into God's marvelous light. Only the Word of God can bring us to that point. So whether you are a new Christian trying to learn what it is like to live like Christ, or you are a veteran, you've been a Christian for years, we are still called to this single craving for God's Word. But it's always going to be a battle. We are always going to be fighting it because it's tempting to fill our lives with other things. As a new Christian, we can struggle with all of our past, all the things that we've learned, because as we've grown up, Habits and sayings and thoughts become ingrained in us. But you know what? The Word of God has the power to change all that. The Word of God says you don't have to be captivated by your past, but you can become something new. And God's Word can shape you and change you because of that. And for those of us who've been a part of this royal priesthood for a long time now, we must guard ourselves too. Because we can be tempted to try to get more or go deeper. And then we just slowly abandon the single thing that has brought us to this point. Right away from God's word. You know, John Wesley, he said, he said, I'm a man of one book. Referencing the Bible. He said that because he wanted people to realize that everything he did, everything he he thought about, everything that drove his life came from the Word of God. Did he use other books? Yes, he used other books. He used a prayer book. He used a hymnal and all those other things. But everything stemmed from the Word of God. He said, I was a man of one book. If I could only have one, it would be the Word of God. May we, too, become men and women of one book, one single craving so that we might find ourselves at the end of this age to truly be God's people. Now I understand that this message might appear to have only gone down one track, might have been singularly focused on one issue, and part of me wants to apologize for that, but I'm not going to. 
And I don't think Peter would too if he was alive. After facing the empty cross, after learning all the things that he learned, the the lessons that changed him because Christ has risen, means that he knows that there's nothing more important than God's word in the life of a believer. Nothing else matters nearly as much as having a single craving for the word of God. The power that comes from the word of God is, is incomparable. The wisdom, the knowledge is limitless. The the change that is possible, it almost seems as if it's impossible to happen. In case it has not become apparent to you yet, church, read God's word. Read God's word. Live in God's word. Make everything you do, everything you breathe, be based upon the word of God. There will be no better reward that you can receive on this earth No accomplishment better than to develop a life that craves for the word of God. So discover the pure spiritual milk of God's word today. So that we might grow into our salvation. Be built into a spiritual house and become his people. Let us pray. Oh God, shape us today. Challenge our hearts. May we learn to set all other things aside so that we can focus on your word completely. May we realize that there is nothing else that will satisfy, nothing else that can change us like your word. May we, like infants, Long for that pure spiritual milk that you have given us. Stripping all things aside. And shape us, Lord, in the likeness of the cornerstone. That rock that was rejected by others, Lord, may we cling to it as our perfecter of faith. Help us, God. Turn to you in our prayers. As we close today, I encourage you with this benediction to lift your hands up, to turn them facing towards heaven, to receive the blessing of Christ. Risen Christ, you prepare a place for us in the home of the mother and father of us all. Draw us deeply into yourself through scripture read, water splashed, bread broken, wine poured, so that when our hearts are troubled, we know you are more completely, we know you more completely as the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. I now send you out into your community to make Christ like disciples. Go in the grace of God.